Good morning, and peace be with you, and blessed new year. <laughs> um, it's going to be tough to write 2022 again, I think, or again. Somebody said, when you find out that 2020 is really 2022, oh-oh. I didn't quite get it, but I didn't dwell on it for a lot. But here we go, 2022. May it be better than 2020 and 2021. May we have eyes to see, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to see God doing things in our lives. In seminary, there was a, an old uh, Greek phrase that I was given, and it was called, well, it was to be used when you're trying to apply it, not just to yourself or about yourself, but that your audience could kind of, mm, okay, I get it. And that Greek word is... Um, stuff or things. So don't name things, Ken. Just go and say, well, it's stuff. So today we're going to talk about Jesus being about the things of his Father. He was doing stuff for his Father. So hold on to that. It'll make sense in a little bit. Um, I want to thank you all for your generosity, uh, for me and my family in your prayers and in your support, which are all signs of your love, uh, and, I, and I'm grateful for it. Thank you very much, um, and David thanks you as well, uh, but, <laughs> but thank you so very much. And we have um, some announcements here that uh, I would draw your attention to uh, in regards to the missions this month. We're going to be uh, supporting the Lutheran congregations in Mission for Christ. And they were one of the first, or they were the first affiliation that we uh, became members of after this church left the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. And so this uh, month's uh, mission offering is going to go to help support them and their efforts to uh, fulfill the Great Commission. Also, we are going to be having a council meeting on January the 8th, and that is important because our congregational meeting is January the 22nd. You will be receiving postcards uh, in the mail with our agenda and so forth, and uh, hopefully it'll be, and I don't see any reason why it wouldn't, quick and efficient like it was last year. Right, Randy? And so we'll make sure that we get uh, the time that it starts out without any cloud, and um, it'll be a good thing, and we'll have lunch, and we'll be done with that for another year. And uh, we have a guest today, and I'm not going to draw attention to her, but it's nice to see you, Patty. <laughs> and, and I'll bet she, she's, yay, and I'll bet she's going, on uh, congregation meetings and postcards and all the deadlines like that. So uh, it's a lot of work, but it's nice to see you again, my friend. Good job. So, All right. Well, Tim, let's get started. Shout! 
you please stand? We come together this morning in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given a Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy for this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy, help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God. 
For the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have poured into our hearts the true light of your incarnate word. Grant that this light may shine forth in our lives through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading this morning is taken from the first book of Kings, chapter 3, verses 4 through 15, which can be found on page 524 in the Pew Bible. Kings records the history of the various kings of Israel, leaders, some good, some not so good, by God's standards, and what happens to those that aren't so good. And this particular reading, this deals with Solomon, who is King David's son and heir to the throne. First Kings chapter 3, beginning with verse 4. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. Then he gave a feast for all his court. The second reading this morning is Psalm 119, verses 97 through 104. And we read that responsively. It's a meditation on the wisdom associated with God's laws. Psalm 119, beginning with verse 19, or 97. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. 
I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. The epistle this morning is taken from Paul's letter to the people of Ephesus, which were under Roman rule at the time. These are new Gentile Christians reminding them of their salvation. Ephesians chapter 1, verses, uh, beginning with the third verse. This can be found on page 1817 in your pew Bible. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the second chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from Luke chapter 2 verses 40 through 52. It can be found on page 1592 in your pew Bible. Luke records, And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day, and then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, 
Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you a story on this second Sunday after Christmas. It's a story that my dear mother used to cringe at. She cringed at the thought of the memory of this happening. I'm about to tell you something that she never forgave herself for. She never forgave herself that it happened to her. The summer of 1974, my mother required me, recruited me actually, to help her teach summer school in Lafayette, California. The truth is my brother, who was 15 and a half at that time, was a teacher's aide as well. We both had a summer job. Now my job was more out of necessity for my mother to keep an eye on me while she was teaching kindergarten. And during the summer program, my mother's class and another class full of five-year-olds made a trip to the Oakland Baby Zoo. It's probably just the Oakland Zoo now, but it used to be known as the Oakland Baby Zoo. They had a lot of baby everythings there. It was, it was amazing. It was exciting for us all, including me. And so the day went off without a hitch, And we were all heading to the bus to take the 30-minute drive home back to the school. And as we headed to the bus, another teacher came to my mother and said that two girls, two 13-year-old teacher aides, were missing. And my mother put the children on the bus, and then she and I along with two others, went back to the zoo to look for these girls. And I volunteered to go up the path that uh, went around the monkey cage. It was a great big tall cage, big, big trees, and it had this arcing walkway. And my theory was that I could see the park from up there and be able to maybe see the girls. So as I was up there and looking... I could see some buses leaving. I thought, hmm, surely that is not one of the buses that I was on. And uh, it turns out it was (laughs) exactly one of the buses that I was on. In fact, what happened was shortly after our search began, somebody found my mom and said, hey, Carol, Um, we found everyone. Everyone is back on the bus. Come on, let's go. And so she assumed that everyone included me. And so the bus is pulling through the park, and it's about to get on the freeway, and she looks down the row of buses, and she doesn't see me, and she says, where is Kenny? And then she realized I wasn't there. And she told the bus driver, to pull over and turn around and go back. And she said, I cannot. I have a schedule to keep. And so my poor mother had to drive 30 minutes by school bus to the school and deposit other people's children to them, their parents, children to their parents. And then she had to take a 30-minute drive with my brother, 15 and a half, driving their car to Oakland. She was a mess. 
must have been horrible for her. And as you can see, uh, I am here as evidence that she did find me, and the story ended quite well. I've never forgotten that story or how it felt being there, and I have always kept an eye on my own children, and I never strayed very far from my mother or my father either. I know they weren't trying to ditch me, but, you know. So today's gospel tells us that Mary and Joseph did something kind of similar with Jesus when they were coming back from the Passover in Jerusalem. This this story gives us the opportunity to remember, remember that Jesus did not live in some sort of a sacred vacuum. Um, He had friends and family and cousins, just like any normal boy. And imagine, if you will, that you were leaving a popular event and that you would uh, fill up a freeway when you left with all of your family. And and you were going to take a, a walk, because <laughs> you're not in your car back then, but you're going to take a walk. Think about what it must be like to walk from uh, the church here down to Encinitas. That is about the same distance between uh, Jerusalem and Nazareth. It would be going north, it would be the same distance between this church and Santa Clarita. Or heading east, it would be from this church to Eucaipa. This is quite a walk. And so they're going along for a day. And then you, uh, if you imagine as you're walking one of these ways in a group that you know most of the people. And it wouldn't be unusual as everyone was walking, hundreds of people together, that the children would be playing in groups together with their cousins or their friends. And they were playing games as they walked. And, you know, it's not the first time that they took this journey. So, they figured that Jesus was just somewhere in the crowd playing with his friends or his cousins. They would not notice that Jesus was missing until they set up camp for the day. And only then would they look for him among the travelers and that they would learn that he was not with them. Now, I can't imagine anyone under similar circumstances waiting for the next day to come. Instead, I imagine that Mary and Joseph immediately started back the way that they had come in hopes of finding Jesus somewhere on the trail. And then they searched. They searched all over Jerusalem. And finally, after three days, they found Jesus in the, tw- in the temple debating theology with teachers And Mary expressed these dual emotions that all parents have when they find their lost children. First, there's relief, of course, that the children are okay. And then there's probably frustration at the child for creating such a situation. And so his mother said to him, as Scripture reveals, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And Jesus' reply is a reply that challenges Mary, and it challenges Joseph, and it challenges us, it should, to rethink our priorities. He said this, he said, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be among the things of my father, doing the stuff for my father. Jesus is basically saying, if you really knew me, if you really understood me, the temple, my father's house, is where you should have looked first. You would have found me as soon as you got into town. Now, if we think about it a little bit, Jesus must have had a voracious appetite for Scripture and theology. The Gospel says that after three days they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. 
And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, in the culture of that day, teachers sat and disciples stood. The fact that Jesus was sitting among the teachers meant that they had accepted him, this 12-year-old boy, as a peer. He was engaged in the discussion as one among equals. Fascinating. Now, we might be tempted to say something like, well, of course Jesus was good at theology. He is God. And he's the one who talked to Moses and the prophets in the first place. It's not too hard to know a book if you are the author. And that would be a perfectly valid thing for us to say or think, that is, if Jesus were to call on his divine nature. However, that's not what he did. We must remember that Jesus was in a state of humility after his conception in the womb until his friends laid him in the tomb. Humility, humiliated. Oftentimes we associate a real negative thing to that, but humbleness, humility. He allowed himself to be like us in every single way. And this means that he did not use his divine powers for his own advantage. And that includes schooling. That means that he learned his scriptures and his theology the same way that everyone else did in that culture. How do I know? Well, he studied. And he kept the commands that said this in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. It's recorded, these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets hanging down from your, in front of your eyes, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your homes and on the gates as you enter. Now this application of this scripture is this, that at that time, if you have a child whose mind is focused on holy scripture, then you set such a child loose in Jerusalem and he will find his way to the teachers of the scriptures. And that is the first place that you should look for him. Now, Jesus' words don't just convict Mary and Joseph. They also convict us. Oh, boy. We, too, we, too, search for Jesus and can't find him. We find ourselves with Mary and Joseph in that we are looking in the wrong places. Jesus said, I must be among the things of my Father. And even so, we look among the things of this world. We look to earthly security. We look to wealth and to power and to prosperity and so forth. And we want a Jesus we want a Jesus that peps us up, that makes us feel good. We want a Jesus who tells us that, you know, we are okay. You're not so bad. And too often we fulfill Paul's prediction to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, you've heard this before, the time is coming. When people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they will turn away from listening to the truth, and they will wander off into myths. We wander around when false teachings, and then we wander or wonder why we don't find Jesus. Jesus said, I must be among the things of my Father. So what are the things of his Father? 
The things of his father are the things his father sent him here to do. He sent him here to live a perfect life. He sent him here to take our sin unto himself. He sent him here to carry that sin to the cross and to die in our place. Those are the things of his father. That's the stuff that he needed to do. It is among these things, the cross, our sin, on that cross, Scripture. It's among these things that we find Jesus. Now, unfortunately, the disgust of these things prevents us from looking there. The cross is gruesome, it's gross, it's messy. It's obscene. It's bloody. But the cross proclaims the penalty for sin across centuries, and it shows us the punishment that we deserve for our sin. It's a reminder. Every time we look at that, we can think, I deserve to be pinned on there. It shows us the justice of God. It is a place that we cannot look, for it is a place that reminds us of sin. We cannot look among the things of our Father on our own, and so we will never find Jesus on our own. Now the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit takes us among the things of the Father. He does this as we hear God's word. He uses that word to produce faith in us. And it is by God's word that he must show us the shame, that he must show us the filth of our sin. And then he must show us that cross. And as the Holy Spirit shows the cross to us, we see the place where we should hang. And instead, there is Jesus hanging there for us. And we could not find him, but the Holy Spirit has gathered us to him. There at the cross, the Holy Spirit has showed us Jesus among the things of his Father. And by taking us among the things of the Father, the Holy Spirit works faith in our hearts and makes us people of the Father, children of the living God. Now, that the Holy Spirit has gathered us to Jesus, we see that the things of the Father, well, they don't end at the cross. Beyond the cross are more things of the Father. Beyond the cross is an empty tomb. And after Jesus died on the cross, his friends laid him in a tomb. And it was there that Jesus shrugged off the state of humiliation. And that's when he entered the state of exaltation. He left the tomb. He proclaimed his victory to those below in hell. He went down into hell, descended into hell, proclaiming his victory And then he proclaimed his victory here on earth as he rose from the dead and he showed himself alive to many witnesses. And Jesus' resurrection promises us that there is a resurrection among the things of the Father. Jesus' resurrection promises the people of the Father that they will rise to enjoy the things of the Father that the Son has earned for us. So in today's gospel, we might be tempted to say that Jesus was lost, but in fact, Jesus was exactly where he was supposed to be. It was really Mary, and it was really Joseph who were lost. And in a similar way, we are also lost. 
We are lost in our trespasses. And we are lost in our sins. And it is God who finds us and places us among the things of the Father. And why that matters is this. It is that there, among the things of the Father, the Holy Spirit works faith, and he makes us people, children of the Father. And the good news in that is that since Jesus said this, I must be among the things of the Father. It means that we are with Jesus. That is exactly where we are supposed to be. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please stand. Let us now confess together our faith to the words of the Nicene Creed, which is found on page three of your bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in the one Lord. Only God is the Father. God from God. Light from light. True God from true God. Begotten, not made. Of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us in our salvation. He came down from heaven. And by the power of the Holy Spirit he became incarnate with the Virgin Mary, and he was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried, and on the third day he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He is spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. And we look for the resurrection of the dead 
and life everlasting. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Lord of hosts, preserve your church and look favorably on her ministers. Give them delight in this joyful season and restful reflection on the mystery of your incarnation, that they may preach your word boldly and faithfully, Lord, in your mercy, Heavenly Father, your Son diligently heard the word of God and grew in wisdom and stature, submissive to his earthly parents, and always about your business and in your house. Keep the families of your church abiding in your word, eager to be found among your word and sacraments, and always treasuring your divine wisdom and favor. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, uphold and strengthen Joseph, our president, and all public servants, and those who protect us in every good deed. Lord, in your mercy. Heavenly Father, Give patience and endurance to all who are sick and in need and heal them according to your will. Receive our thanksgiving for every blessing and kindness that you have shown your people in Christ. Give comfort and hope to all who mourn. Lord, in your mercy, Heavenly Father, your Son was one redemption through his blood, granting the forgiveness of our trespasses. So now, according to the riches of your grace, receive those who come to your blessed sacrament this day. Grant worthy repentance and confident faith to all who commune, united in a sincere confession of the faith. Lord, in your mercy... And Lord, Heavenly Father, in mercy you have established the Christian home among us. We implore you, rule and direct our hearts to be good examples to children and those subject to us, that we may not offend them by word or deed, but faithfully teach them to love your church and hear your blessed word. Give them your spirit and grace that this seed may bring forth good fruit and our home life may advance your glory, your honor and praise as well as our own improvement and welfare, giving offense to no one through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the same Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let's share the peace responsibly from where we are right now. We'll just kind of wave, I think, just in light of, you know, the way things are. This is, this is as good as any way to, to share the peace. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should praise your name in all places and at all times. 
We offer our thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. In the wonder and mystery of the Word made flesh, you have opened our eyes of faith to a new and radiant vision of your glory, that beholding the God made visible, we may be drawn to love the God whom we cannot see. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us all pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. We find Jesus in the sacrament, because he promises he is about the things of God. He's about being in his house doing the things that he was sent to do for you and for me. From the womb to the tomb, we are celebrating this. We are marveling at this. We are meditating this until Easter Sunday, where he comes out of his humility and into exaltation. This is a foretaste of the feast to come. This is for you. This is for me, those who are called children of God. You can be brought forward by the ushers. Come, the table is prepared.
Sweet. 
here with us right now. Amen? You're exactly where you need to be to find Jesus. Amen? Once you were lost, but now you see. Amen? Thanks be to Jesus. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Seal it, seal it for